is Creative Resistance, the podcast miniseries, where in each episode we explore how art and activism can be combined to resist power and affect social change. I'm your host, Sarah J. Halford. There's an element of artistic activism that the entirety of the work hinges upon. Context. You can create a detailed strategy for your tactics and objectives and goals, and you can have brilliant game-changing art to go with it, but if you forget about context, then you run the risk of presenting artistic activism that is a total flop. This sounds dramatic, but if you think about it, a lot of things in life hinge upon context. You know this if you've ever told a joke that fell flat or went in for a kiss only to have the person stop you halfway. And it's often that it wasn't until after we've done the thing that flopped that we realize we neglected or totally misread the context of the situation. Of course, we're trying to make artistic activism that specifically does not flop. So this episode is all about getting better at recognizing the context that surrounds the work so that we can preempt potential contextual issues. All activism, all art happens within a context. The context can be a museum. The context can be a street. The context can be a museum in Bogota, or it can be a museum in Texas. There is nothing that we create which is outside of some context. And in order to create effectively and have the maximum impact, you always have to think about that context. We like to say oftentimes, because we actually do work all around the world, um, and what we like to say is that, well, everybody has culture, everybody has different cultures. And so what will work really well in one area will not work in another area, because When you're thinking about audiences, you're thinking about people. And people from different places and in different times have different ways of making sense what's in front of them. They have different stories and symbols which resonate with them. And unless you understand the context, you risk either being misinterpreted or absolutely ignored. The truth is that sometimes we're going to fail at getting the context right. Probably a lot. Change-making can often take years, and in that time span, social norms may shift, political leaders come and go, and the motivation of supporters is likely to wax and wane. So there's probably always going to be something that we miss about the context of the moment, but that doesn't mean that we give up on trying to understand it as much as possible. we looked at tactics and strategies by examining tactics as the little picture and strategies as the big picture, we also have the ability to shift the focus when it comes to context. So the littlest picture in terms of context is comprised of the things that are physically around where you present the work, like the weather. Depressing demonstrations in the rain. Or location. Uh, We got lost in the sauce. We had one in Times Square for, you know, early on and we kind of just got, it looked like we were protesting some Broadway theater because there was a, you know, there was a conference in the Marriott Marquis Hotel and we were underneath and there were like, a, you know, 30, 40 of us and it looked like we were protesting like me and my girl. It was ridiculous. I mean, there was no just because these contexts are smaller in the grand scheme of things doesn't mean that they can't also make or break the work. There's getting lost in the sauce, as Ron said, or maybe it's something as simple as the text is too small on a piece to be seen, or the work is obstructed from the audience's view. The devil is in the details, as they say, so we can't forget to keep in mind the physical context that surrounds the work. 
Zoom out a little further and we reach the continuation of our discussion on audience, audience 2.0. But now we can go a little deeper by incorporating context into the discussion of the various things that we need to consider about who we're speaking to. I think the main thing is to think about who is the audience that you're speaking to. Um, are they people on the street or are they policymakers? Are they elite patrons of a theater who are very important insofar as they may, ab may be able to put pressure on other elites like policymakers and so on? And then you have to think about within that audience, what sort of signs and symbols and stories resonate with that audience? What do they understand? What do they not understand? What language do they speak? And I don't just mean do they speak Spanish or English or French or Swahili. I mean the sort of language that they're familiar with insofar as you can speak to them. Are they interested in popular culture? Are they interested in technical expertise? Are they interested in religion? Until you understand that, again, you risk either being misinterpreted or not listened to at all. Elliot Crown is a theater artist who uses costumes and puppet making in his work. He performs with these tools in order to create a captivating image at protests and rallies that's likely to be captured by the media, with the intention of using his art to lure in the media in the hopes of publicizing the issue at hand. Elliot's been a live performer for many years, and the thing that live performers may know better than anybody else is how to read their audience's reactions, and maybe even change the action accordingly when they realize that something doesn't quite resonate. Elliot told me about his formative years in performance and how he learned to change his approach based on the context of where his audience was coming from. I spent 10 years giving tours on boats off the coast of New England where I would talk to mom and pop America going out to whale watch. Giving the talk and looking at people's faces, I got the sense of people's range of perception, what they can hear and what they can't hear. And I have a weird sense of humor, so I've pushed the boundaries. There's a way to get politics into that context, but you have to be careful not to offend. So I would do weird jokes. I have to talk about things like whale DNA. So I would go, according to scientists, monkeys and humans' DNA are only 2% different. And then I'd go, this could explain what's going on in Washington. And people would laugh. And you can do it that way, but you couldn't say, these bastards were lying and warmongering. So for what Elliot calls mom and pop America, talking seriously about politics while they're out on a boat tour probably is the last thing that they would enjoy when they're trying to relax. But joking about politics, especially those where faceless politicians are the butt of the joke, is never off the menu. Jokes release tension. They can make people feel better about otherwise serious situations. But go to an organizing meeting or a university where people find joy in having really serious discussions about the issues, and those jokes might fall flat. We have to know our audiences well enough to understand where they're coming from contextually, but we really can't look at things holistically without zooming even further out to look at the political climate that they're living in. A political climate is often described as the mood or sentiment that a society is experiencing politically, but it's interesting to think about it as weather, as actual climate. Politically, is it sunny out or is there a storm brewing? But it's also important to note that the circumstances in a political climate affect various groups differently. Take, for instance, ACT UP, 
The well of knowledge and helpful examples never runs dry with this group, but the topics of context and political climate are especially relevant to their activism. We heard from Avram Finkelstein before. He's the creator of the Silence Equals Death poster and was there with ACT UP from the very beginning. In our conversation, Avram emphasized just how extreme the context that surrounded the HIV-AIDS movement was. Well, it was... It was pretty nightmarish, actually, and it was before Rock Hudson was diagnosed. Reagan had never mentioned a word. It was a very private moment to uh, to be experiencing what I did. Um, of course, I thought I was going to die myself. Um, there were there was no HIV tests back then, so you just had to make assumptions about yourself. You have to realize people were literally like dying in, in hospital room, in hospital corridors and being thrown out of their apartments and dying on the street. It was bad. It was, really, it was really bad. It's impossible to understand how bad it was. Historically speaking, the ways in which the context of a political climate affects us is directly related to our privilege. Here's where we can zoom out one more time and look at the ways in which the larger social structure sets up how each of us are affected by different contexts. So, for example, white, conservative, straight men in the Reagan era clearly benefited from the political climate more than, say, LGBTQ people. There are a few reasons for this here, but the most glaring one is that socially, LGBTQ people who were at that time just referred to as gays and lesbians were heavily discriminated against because social custom and historical precedent dictated that heterosexuality was the quote-unquote normal behavior. Anything outside of that norm was placed at a lower level of the social structure. And at different levels, there are different parts of the political climate. Just like when you're in an airplane and when you take off, it's raining, but then when you reach 30,000 feet, it's all sunshine and pillowy clouds. So what if, like ACT UP was, you're getting screwed by the political moment? What do you do when one context is against you? Well, Steve says that you address the issue through a different context. Well, the beauty of ACT UP and Grand Fury is that on one hand, there was a context that was dead set against them, um, was either ignorant of or hostile to any sort of illness um, or uh, condition or trauma or plague um, that was affecting homosexuals. On the other hand, the brilliance of ACT UP is they understood another context, which is the context of spectacle and the context of media zaps, and the context of subverting advertising or queering advertising. They were masters at understanding the mediated context of the American population, and by using that sort of a language, opened up a previously closed space, a political space. Um, Through the understanding of the cultural world, they were able to insert themselves into a political world, into a policy world, and really transform things. The bottom line is that the various contexts that we're working with need to be on our minds consistently when creating artistic activism. And a helpful way to do that is to practice shifting our focus from the little picture to the big picture and back again. So here's a recap of some of the types of contexts that we need to keep in mind. 
the context of the more literal things that are around you but are easy to overlook, like the context of location and weather. But it's not just limited to these two things. There are things like, can the people you're collaborating with afford to take off work? Or is the peace accessible to people of all abilities? The more you look for these details, the more you'll see. Then what about the context of your audiences? What do they respond to? What do they not respond to? Is it better to come at them with a joke or a manifesto? And there's the context of the current political climate and how different people are likely to be experiencing different contexts within that political climate. On the next and final episode of Creative Resistance, we're going to look at success and failure and how to tell if what you're doing has worked or not. <laughs>